Unspool is a team of Los Angeles-based entertainment professionals. Each month, the Unspool team creates an entirely unique movie project from start to finish. The movie idea is born live during our podcast at the start of each month with our special guests. Once the completed movie is released online at unspool.net, it is discussed on our wrap-up podcast at the end of the month. Unspool Podcast is available in both audio and video versions. Both versions can be found at our website, unspool.net. Audio versions of the podcast are also available on iTunes, and video versions can also be found at youtube.com slash unspoolpodcast. This is the February 2015 Pitch with producer, editor, and director Kevin Castro. Well, welcome to the Unspool Podcast for February 2015. We have John and myself with uh, two special guests today. <laughs> we have uh, Baby Cormick and we have Kevin Castro. Welcome, Kevin. Hello. Hello. How you guys doing? Good. Kevin and I worked on The Tonight Show together, and he is, uh, well, he's doing so many crazy things right now. Well, yeah. not the least of which is appearing on this uh, yeah. <laughs> Coming into Unspool. So, Kevin, um, w- one of the things we discuss on our show is sort of how we got into um, filmmaking, film production, TV, all that stuff. Right. John and I... Creative inspiration. Yeah, t- John and I talk about, like... In high school, we used to do this um, in our free time on Saturdays or Sundays. We used to get our friends to act and play with guns and make squibs and uh, make music videos and all that stuff Many, in high uh, school with uh, toys and Play-Doh things or violin. Yeah, stop motion and, and yeah, me too. Aid and is that that's where it all your... started for me? Yeah, Legos. I did stop animation Legos. Mm-hmm. I thought that was the coolest thing ever. I was like, wow, I have a little story here. And the plane crashes and explodes. And you can build whatever set you Yeah, want. I mean, I only did it a few times because it was really hard. <laughs> and I remember the first time I did it, we were I, I was doing it with, like, I don't know, elementary. I mean, I had to have been eight or nine. Mm-hmm. But I was doing it with, like, this girl. And I kept making her, like, move the pieces. And I kept starting it and stopping. And then it, like happened within like you know three seconds and we didn't wait long enough you know because you're trying to <laughs> figure out how long to pause the shot before because we didn't have editing back then it was eight years was this, old what is it on this is like vhs so this is like they took away my eight millimeter camera and they're like we got vhs now so like, i'm trying to stop and start that's the word and it was like, blah, blah, blah. I was like yeah. okay that sucks that wasn't good but it was fun you know but yeah that's where that's where uh, you know it's who doesn't want to tell good stories, even yeah. if they're about Legos? Look at that. Lego I mean, that's I guess the tools you had at your disposal. That's true. So you, that's you know you, you didn't have actors. Well, and it's what you you know you're that young. That's what you yeah. uh, That's what you like. That's what you're into. You're not into anything more than just some toys and right. You exploding ship playing with your Legos anyway. Might as well make a movie. Were, silly. Were there movies that? inspired you at the time that that you know what growing up that said like i need to do this yeah and you know what's sad is i've I've talked about this before and it's embarrassing because you know if you talk to any especially like a usc person not that there's anything wrong with people from (laughs) went to usc i i know quite a few of them but uh you know they'll usually tell you like godfather or some things and mine was back to the future i remember (laughs) back to the future I was 15 years old, and I went to a drive-in with my school. I went to a boarding school, and we sat on the top of the, the bus. We had this huge bus. We had all these blankets on the top, and we watched Back to the Future. And I watched that movie, and I was like, I want to direct movies. Wow. Like, that was the moment I remember specifically where I was like, 
I want to make movies. Like, this is the greatest movie ever made. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, I'm not very cool when it comes to, like... How, how old were you when... I was 15. Okay. It came out in 85, I think, mm-hmm. May, you know, and it was, like, right around school. So, it was it was fun. And I just remember, like, thinking it was the, the greatest movie. And that's what, you know, that's what got me on my path. A different, weird path, but apparently, yeah. <laughs> so, you were in high school at the time, is that... And then you started making more things while you were you know, through high school, and then... No, you know what? It was... Uh, Basically, my, I was a difficult child, and so I, you know, my story is I went to boarding school. Boarding school, we didn't have cameras, you know, it was in Oregon. So basically, it wasn't until I was, um, was in boarding school, and I was flying to Switzerland to go and ski. I know it sounds so ridiculous. <laughs> and I sat next to this woman uh, who was an executive at Columbia Pictures at the time. And, um, you know, I was, maybe I was 16, and, you know, 16 does, you know, you don't have filters, you don't, you know, ooh, I want to do movies, I want to direct movies, I want to edit movies, and, you know, I was, like, all over it, and she's like, hey, you know what, you get out of high school, you know, maybe before or after college, you give me a call, you come down to L.A., and uh, you give me a call, and she gave me her card, and I kept it all through wow. high school, and, and I, it was two years into college is when I finally gave her a call. And that did she was, remember you? Absolutely! Wow, that's wow. crazy. That's the reason I came to LA. Wow, that like a, a, a random uh, seat on an airplane. Yeah, so that that was uh, that's crazy. Awesome. So how did you how did you know that she worked for Columbia Pictures? So, no, she was very like. I mean, we we're we we're flying to Switzerland on my own. My family was already there, and you know, I'm just this young kid, just like burp, 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 yeah, burp, you know. So yeah, I called her up, and so I said you know what, I don't really want to be an architect anymore. And I literally, I had 2000 bucks in my pocket. I got in my Carmen Ghia and I drove to L.A. And wow. I um, I met with her and she said, hey, great, when you get out of college, give me a call. <laughs> and I said, okay. And I literally, I had some friends I was staying with and I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm not in college anymore. And, and uh, <laughs> what am I, I doing? I don't have here? a job and I don't want to go live with my parents because I hadn't lived with them since I was like 15 years old. So, mm. so what was your first job once you got out here? Like at this point, you knew you so kind of. Wa- I kind of did it in a weird way, but we had friends. Um, the producer of a show called The Home Show back in 19. I don't know. They started in 88. We knew the producer of the show. And so we called up this guy. His name's Jim Witte. He was a big-time producer. He started Telepictures back years ago. My mom actually worked for this guy named Woody, Woody Frazier, who's still producing. He's 80 years old. They shoot the Home and Family show or on the Universal lot right now. He's still working away. But anyway, so I call this guy Jim Witte, and I say, Hey, I, uh, I want to work in, in, in the TV business. I had no idea. <laughs> Can you get me a job? And so he said, uh, I don't know. And so I floundered for like three weeks. I remember three weeks, it was the time in my life I had no bills, no responsibilities, anything. I was like living on a couch and I thought it was the greatest thing ever. <laughs> like, and he finally gave me a call. He said, do you want to be a runner? And I was like, what's a runner? <laughs> I was like, but, uh, uh, okay, what do I need to do? What do I need to know? And he's like, you'll be fine. And so I started working at the home show, which was over at the ABC lot prospect in Talmadge I was like cool how much does it pay it's like 250 a week I'm like 250 yes! a week I'm, I'm loaded <laughs> so um, at the time I was living with a, like a friend of mine that I went to school with in Huntington Beach so if you can imagine for uh, wow eight months I would get up and, and okay so runner wise home show if you don't know what it is 
It was a live show after the morning news. Like, um, I think it, no, it came out like 10 o'clock. I think it was in the view spot. And it was a live show, which was really cool. But we would shoot in the morning. And, oh, live for East Coast. That's what it was. So I would get up in Huntington Beach at 3.30 in the morning. Oh, my God. And I would get in my Carmen Ghia that would barely run. And I would drive 45 minutes to Hollywood every day for eight months. Wow. Actually, it wasn't quite eight months. I think it was more like five. Because basically at the five-month part, I got a call from the same guy, Jim Whitty. And he said, hey... Mm -hmm. He goes, what do you want to do? I'm like, I want to be a director. Like everyone says that. Everyone's like, I, I, I don't know what hardly I've that means. I've done the runner thing. I've done no. the runner thing. I think I want to move on to directing. <laughs> so he's like, look. He goes, I think you need to go to the editing department. And I was like, editing department? Well, that's cool. Sure, I'll do the editing department. He goes, what we have is um, interns. And I said, okay. He goes, so basically what I want to do is I want you to... Work from 4.30 in the morning to 1.30 in the afternoon, and then from 1.30 in the afternoon till 6 p.m., you're going to work in the editing department. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so I think I did that up until eight months. I worked both jobs. So I would wow. literally... And it was kind of good in a sense because I would almost get past the traffic, so I would get up at 3.30... Worked yeah, that entire day till like 6, 6.30 I'd get out. And then I would fight traffic for like another hour, hour and a half to get back home just mm -hmm. to go to bed. Yeah. Like there was no... Start all over. Yeah, start all over again. Wow. But I was, you know, if I knew anything in this life, it was just work. It's like, oh, I know how to work. I'll get your salad and I'll, mm -hmm. you know, go pick up someone at the airport and, you know... I'll <laughs> whatever, whatever you need. Yeah. Whatever you need. I mean, that's, that's, that's you know, what I didn't know anything other than just... Show up to your job and do your job. But you know, he was smart. He was a smart man in the sense he was like, "Well, I don't. I'm sure he was thinking like, this kid doesn't know what he's doing. He has <laughs> was, no clue. He, was he trying to direct you? I would into think. So I'm really thankful that he said go to the editing room. And what's so cool about that is like, who do you usually meet? Like in back in the day, who do you usually meet in the editing room? You're going to meet directors. You're going to meet you know the producers and the writers. And it was great because no longer was I just this guy getting someone their food or, you know, picking something up at the store. I was actually mm -hmm. getting to meet. A helpful part of the process. Yeah, and who it's... doesn't want that? So that was pretty much my start in the editing world. And here's the cool thing. So I was almost 21. So I was pretty, I was really young. Maybe I was 21. And remember, it's a, it's a live show. So I think I was still there by 7 a.m. But they needed, um, I, well... Me being probably a little odd, I kept asking, "How do you edit? What do you do? How do you edit?" Like I'd be in there with the editors, like, you know, do you, do you, do you want me to do this cut? You want me to do this cut? I had no idea. And back then, the deck to deck, or we're talking twenty five. We worked on this Strassner. There's another. Uh, yeah, it's all nonlinear, all, all linear. Another one called Convergence, and it was <laughs> bad. I mean, it was bad. It wasn't like quite tape to tape, but it mm -hmm. it, it was. But they're really bad. They were like the first kind of digital, you know, you'd have time code, you could see it, but it what, was... What tape format? We started it? on, um, we started mastering on three-quarter. We went to three-quarter SP, which was big. I don't even know <laughs> wow. what the specs... And then we went to beta, and then we went to beta SP, and then I left. No, but the kicker was, so I'm learning, I'm learning, I'm going in there, I'm trying to do as much as I can, and the editors, their staff, and they were lazy. So... They would rather sit back and watch me cut something during the day. <laughs> like this guy, and do, do the work. He's like, he's going to do the work. We'll just let him do it. Well, then it got to well, we need an editor to come in to cut the morning open, 
morning open on the home show consisted, which was great for me. I got to work with the the, the voiceover guy from the show. I got to go to the work with the director. They would shoot like teases, basically. I would take all the footage back to the editing bay. I would record the voiceover artist. So I'd work with the view. I mean. I don't know anything. I'd record the voiceover guy. I'd take the tape, which was, I don't even know what they were. It wasn't even that. It was like a, I don't know, it looked like an (laughs) 8-track. And then I would would cut all the video to the copy, make this kind of jazzy open, and then I would have to get it on air. I think we aired at 8 a.m. before the live show because we fed live to East Coast. Wow. And that was my first editing gig. Because none of the editors were like, I'm not going to get there at 8, 8, 7 a.m. or 6. <laughs> Maybe it was 6. Because I had to literally go to the set, shoot with all the different people. Not that I did any shooting. I think I probably stood there and said, oh, okay, mm-hmm. thanks for the footage. But, you know, it was great. Mm-hmm. So I literally I started editing, doing the morning open of the show. And then after that, they were like, hey, do you want to cut this thing? And of course. I think I, I was like, I started the with, at those days, there was like three editors. So I was like the third assistant editor. I moved up to the second assistant editor, then I got first, and then I finally started cutting. And that was that's how I got into cutting material, to be wow. quite honest. That's, that's my awesome. story, yeah. Wow. Did, was it beneficial to you because of the fast turnaround and the time crunch that you had to learn with such, or did that not? You know what? I don't know if it was beneficial. What I know is I liked it. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of, it's the, it, the, there, there was the, the cool part is I actually think in the three, three years I worked there, there was two times that they didn't get their open on, and it was because I wasn't there. So the actual editors weren't able to make air, <laughs> you know, the two times that I didn't show up with wow. the open of the show, which is a big deal. So yeah. You, you learn speed, which... And I learned to be under, you know, under quite a bit of uh, stress of making sure that, you know, the voiceover was getting recorded right and I got the right footage and it was great. It was perfect, you know, I and mean, I wasn't really telling a story, but it was putting together the open. Right. Which, which led to more stuff. Which, which sort of led you to be a perfect fit for The Tonight Show because you... You had a deadline of 4 p.m. every day yeah. where you had to cut, you know, jokes and uh, anything, everything by 4 p.m., sure. multiple things. Yeah. No, it was stressful. But I liked it. And that if they taught me anything, I just, I knew that that was fun. Mm-hmm. Like, it was fun to know that you had five minutes and they were going to have to have something or they weren't going to have an open for the show. It was mm-hmm. cool. That was my intro to editing. That's awesome. And after that, my second job was a silly show, but it was called Real Stories of the Highway Patrol. Ah! I uh, was my first real, like, they saw me as an editor. Mm-hmm. And and I was happy to do it. And it was, I don't know if we want to get into money, but that's crazy, even in today's terms. So when they first started the show, the way they budgeted it was they said, we have X amount of dollars per, per segment. You pay by the piece. What does that mean? He goes, well, if you cut a uh, piece with, you know, cops in a car, we give you 500 bucks for that. I said... Oh, okay. And if you um, cut, like, there was, like, actually scripted stuff. It was Re-enactment. reenactments. We give you 750 I was like, okay. And before, this is before Avid, too. This is my first, we finally got an Avid there. But, so, <laughs> I was like, okay, so I'm going to get 500 if I cut one of the segments with the cop. It's not like you get your pick. Is it sort of like No, the they just kind of give it to you when you're done. They give you another one. Well, what they didn't know is we cut them really quick. So my first editing gig, there were days where I was making two, three thousand dollars a day. Wow! So there was weeks where I cleared ten grand. Jeez. And, and they, they didn't catch on, or they weren't. They aware. caught on second season. So second season came on. They said, "Oh, you know what you are now? You're a producer. We got rid of all the producers, <laughs> but they still paid us the same rate." 
Now, granted, it wasn't it wasn't as good because you had to look through the footage and write the script and all that. Mm. But I learned how to produce a little piece, which was good for me, especially learning. And at that time, in 1990, it was ridiculous. Two, yeah. I was living. I was looking. I mean, granted, I was a stupid kid. I was, I was like, oh, I can buy a Ferrari. You know, how, I, I, how old were you? 24 you know i <laughs> literally went down to the ferrari dealership and like what's the payments like it's like 2200 i'm like that's like a day's work okay <laughs> wow i was out of my mind but little <laughs> did i know that you know that wasn't gonna last forever so, so no ferrari no ferrari thank god my parents would have been so upset <laughs> and i would have never afforded it i'm sure the next job i you know i didn't make that kind of money I would never <laughs> that thing would have been sold very quickly but um, anyway, so from Real Stories, I worked with a great producer and director for that matter. His name is Star Price. He created Bullshit with Penn and Teller. Mm, that's, okay. his, that's his, and he did that for many years, and he's on to a couple other shows. We did, he, he actually directed the reenactments, and we pe- became very good friends. If there's anything I can say with this, you know, in terms of how I sort of succeeded, is I was willing to do whatever anyone wanted, especially if someone that I really liked and 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 thought that they were good people mm-hmm. and I worked for him so we would cut together these sketches and they were cheesy and silly and poorly done and but there was one time he said hey I'm he, he was a USC guy and he's like hey I, I need to put together a reel so we go on a Saturday and we work from 8 a.m. in the morning till 8 a.m. in the morning I worked 24 hours for him and that was the best decision that I ever made but first off he he's a big wig and from there Star gives me a call. He says, hey, I'm directing on Later with Greg Kinnear. And I want you to come here and work as the editor. And that's how I got into The Tonight Show. I was hired by NBC to work both Later with Greg Kinnear and The Tonight Show. And that's and it's because of this guy, Star Price. Wow. that um, Because of your 24-hour shift. It was. And, you know, I mean, he was a good guy. I was so happy to help him out. I wanted him to succeed. I wanted him to get a directing gig, you know. Yeah. And, I couldn't have been more thrilled. You know, it was cool. It was fun. That's how I got to The Tonight Show. Now, you want to talk about movies. So, the the two movies that I directed, I did while I was working at The Tonight Show. I mean, before that, I realized that how I got there was working in the editing department. I, I didn't know a thing about Yeah, you directing. didn't come out here. It's not like I went to USC and was like, mm-hmm. hey, I'm going to, you know, do the film program. Well, you knew when you were a runner, you wanted to be a director. I did. I knew <laughs> that I was ready, you know, because I could tell a story. No. So um, so I went to UCLA, and then I went to AFI for a while. And at some point, I felt like, okay, this, that's, I'm good. Uh-huh. I'm like, you know, I have a lot to learn, but I need to take the first step and, and go ahead and, like, and, and do make something. something on my own. And so I had some ideas that I had worked on in school in my writing class over at UCLA. And mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I need to write this. And it was just short. It's 18 minutes long, and I was like, I want to shoot it on 35 like that was my big thing. I want to shoot it on film, and uh, it was one of the most, shot for fifteen days. It was the most amazing experience of my life, and I felt so comfortable. How you know, old were you? I was pretty old. I was 30, thirty-one, thirty-two. Oh, oh. But I wasn't like you know. I wasn't. I wasn't uh, twenty-two. A runner going okay. Yeah. yeah, I'm ready to direct. You know, at least I felt like I had a little bit of storytelling in me mm-hmm. that needed to be developed but I still felt like I could handle it and going back to the the film thing about 35 it's it's funny when when we were in film school it was like we deemed that at least I felt like we deemed it 
if you shot on 16 or super 16 because super that's what, 16 was yeah was, was like that was you're making a legit senior like grave mm-hmm. film it was yeah you take it seriously absolutely yeah years. and and i remember um we didn't have access to 35 i don't think no but you know i remember that was like the definitive thing before hd and digital and all that stuff was if you shot on film you're way ahead of the curve, and if you shoot right. on 35, whoa, like that's big. Time. That was my goal, and I was willing. I I, I was working for the Tonight Show at that point, mm-hmm. so I was able I was, to. I was able to do it a little bit. So <laughs> after that, I had hooked up with two other producers, kind of like us, and in the business, not really oh. where we want to be, but you know, we're always looking for that next sort of step that we can take. I was kind of see our lives and. Like tears, we always get to you know we keep going up one step, mm-hmm. one step. I go down a couple, and then we. Oh wait, for viewers, what's the first film called? Can we talk about it? Delirium. I Delirium. Was so, trailer. It's the greatest trailer. Where, ever. All right. Where, what happened with the the film? I was gonna ask. So the the film was, you know, we we finished the film. We we had 300, 400, I bet there was four hundred people showed up for the screening. We showed it at Warner Brothers. It was amazing. It was so much fun. Uh-huh. It was great, and I and I thought I did well. And we probably spent a good six seven months uh, doing the whole festival thing, which was great. You know, I remember showing it in Colorado, and people were crying, and I was like, wow, I actually if I I made them cry. Like I was so proud of myself that i actually made something elicited emotion they hit something down deep where they were and to have people come and talk to me about it i was like that's so cool you know that was that was really special so so that was that was and that was more like drama i had this idea about telling this story about how this guy got to be who he was and that was enough with drama (laughs) and and yeah i met tons of people and i got meetings with like producers that were interested in me and I can tell anyone out there the biggest biggest misstep I did is I didn't have a script ready to follow up my short. Mm-hmm. Because I did have a couple of producers meeting. Like, it was fun. Like, I got to go and meet with, like, hey, we saw your film. We know it won a couple things. We'd like to know more. What do you have? What, mm-hmm. I was like, well, I have this idea of this movie. And they're like, so you don't have a script? You don't have what's your name? I was like, no. That's the biggest mistake. Because if you don't have anything else to give them... They can't do anything Then, else like, what you, are you going to do? And I think it's like they kind of see the shiny penny. They're like, ooh, shiny penny, shiny penny. What do you got? This and guy's like, hot. He hey, just made I'll, I'll, I'll get back to you in three months once I write the script. And, like, by then, yeah. you know, you're, you're out of the mix. But the cool thing about Delirium is I was working with Howie Mandel. And he was part of Delirium? No, no, no. He was part of a, probably a bit that I was cutting with him on The Tonight Show. Oh, okay. So he was... I don't know what... I don't Sure, hidden camera, glasses, some silly thing. And we're sitting there and we're waiting. He's like, so what have you been up to? And I was like, well, I don't know. I just directed this movie. Uh, you want to see it? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, sure. Let me see it. He, oh, how long is it? Like, yeah, it's only like 22 minutes. Like, sure, let's watch it. <laughs> so I'm sitting in the editing bay with Howie Mandel, which is kind of cool. He watches the movie. He's like, that was a great film. And even to this day, like, there's a part of insecurity we all have because of being judged and mm-hmm. you put so much work into these projects and, you know, they're like your little baby. And sure. So you're very sensitive about it. And he was like, it was a great movie. I'm like, I'm really impressed. He goes, hey, if you have a movie in the future you would ever want me to be a part of, let me know. Wow. And I was like, okay, cool. Thanks. And gave me his phone number and I was like, okay. So I called up a couple friends that helped me finish the movie. And I said, hey, I said, Howie Mandel 
said that he would be in one of my movies, you know, I got to write another script. I go, maybe we should do a comedy movie and we could put Howie in it. They're like, okay, what do you want to write? So I spent the next, I don't, I don't know. Like, yeah, do you run home that day and start? start I probably did. Knowing me, you know, I went down, I think we, we kind of, I had uh, two, we had two producers that uh, put money towards the film. We shot it on, we shot it super 35 this time. Yeah. Moving up. And so it was the last film I'll ever probably touch. But um, I mean, in terms of the actual Tactile film. film yeah. yeah. And I think we all kind of pitched our ideas of what we thought would be funny. Mm. And that's how Room Service came about. And so basically he had that one kind of storyline about being stuck in a bed with his underwear. And that's the story <laughs> we wrote for Howie Mandel. Wow. And uh, Howie liked it and wanted to do it. And we put together the money and we shot it. Oh, real quick, did you, did you ask... Uh, investors or studios for, for no. cash? No, again, we were, again, yeah, these were self. These were self-financed okay. shorts. My oh, idea okay. originally was, I'm going to be able to show someone my short drama, and they're going to go, "This guy's amazing!" Mm-hmm. Like we need to give him a feature. In my head, that's what I was thinking. Same thing with the short. The short was like, "Okay, I'm going to show him a comedy." They're going to think the comedy's so great, you know, that I'm going to be hired to even to direct like a short sketch you know i thought oh maybe that would give me mm-hmm. street cred to be not seen as just an editor but like you know look what he directed you'll bring with on he'll be up on like snl like directing yeah why not yeah. you know and we wrote it and we shot it and we we had a blast i mean we showed it from la to london oh wow somewhere else yeah Do you get great. a lot we of exposure up, because of yeah we did you... we opened up the like london film festival or it's one of those London, but we opened it, which was great. You know, I mean, that was a big deal. They're like, your movie is going to open our show. And I was wow. like, oh, okay, that's cool. And then our other big one, we went to New York and it was, a, what was it Stony, Stony Brook mm-hmm. Film Festival. Actually, what's funny is I had this guy, this, he's from Stony Brook, from that film festival, comes up to me and goes, hey, I just saw Room Service. I like it. Would you ever consider putting it in our film festival? And I was like, yeah sure he's like okay he goes send me the film and I'll let you know so I sent him the film and he's like yeah it's in New York and he's like you know it's gonna be you know it's gonna it's gonna start our short film comedy section whatever it might be and I was like oh cool and he's like well are you gonna come out I'm like oh it's in New York (laughs) and he was like oh no you guys have two tickets We'll, we'll put you on a plane you and your wife, and we'll send. We'll put you on a plane and send you out to New York. And they set us up in a great place, and it was all first class. And we wow. showed our film, and I showed it to thirteen hundred people, Jeez. and I got to watch thirteen hundred people laugh at my film. And it was by far the coolest thing ever. And like people came to me after and asking me questions, like everything from you know Howie to why do you do this, or that was great, or that was funny, and that was amazing. I really thought like. That was my next step to like being able to do something bigger. And did you have a, a script in hand this time? Oh no! Why would you learn? <laughs> no, no. I mean, you, you're you're so busy and consumed. I mean, you're it's just like, yeah, trying to finish. You're the like, film hey, we're it. shooting on thir- Super Thirty Five. We can't afford it. We're but you're a shiny penny now. I'm again. a shiny penny. But I don't even know. Boy, I wonder if memory serves. I don't even know if I had any offers or anything. Hmm. And there's like a whole other story there, but we won't get into that. But is anyway, it hard it, then to go back to work at the Tonight Show you're 
day job after you've had like they flew you first class and you're you screen the film in front of thousands of people the thing of it is tonight show was a gift tonight show was tonight show was wonderful it's it was it was a blessing so it wasn't bad to go back you mm-hmm. know and it, and it was great to to know that you had a place to that you were going to make money and have a paycheck and sure. be able to put food in your belly yeah. honestly it was great it encouraged me to to say okay what's your next step you know and I, you know i i really feel like i accomplished doing the drama i got to see people's reaction to it which is so important like did it work you know like mm-hmm. cuz so many times you don't know did it work you know Watching thirteen hundred people laugh at your comedy at the right I'm time, like, and yeah. anyone who says they don't like it, I'm like, I saw thirteen hundred people laugh at my movie. That's pretty cool. Yeah, and that's what I'll remember. So you know, it was that was cool. No, I didn't mind going back to the Tonight Show. Tonight Show was a great, great place, and not only was it filled with, you know, challenging work, and but it was it was easy, and I got to work with great people. Got to meet great people. No, it's it's great. I was just thinking um, when we uh, when we did the American Poop movie, I remember uh, it came out in Blockbuster Video back mm. when they had Blockbuster Video out. Yeah, here. I remember you telling me that. And uh, I was working at Deal or No Deal at the time, and I think somebody, maybe John or somebody, said, "Hey, it just got released that, at Blockbuster Video." I remember the day, yeah. And I ran out with I, you know, I I went out and screamed to everybody in Deal or No Deal post, like, "Holy shit, my movie!" <laughs> American Poop movie Black that I, I was a uh, cinematographer for and we went and I got my picture with like this <laughs> rack of I think they had four yeah. copies yeah of, there were a lot like because it's probably a cheap movie to, to purchase so they can just like fill up their right. filler shelves like felt good though yeah and I remember like and, and the, the guy at Blockbuster was like hey man he's like that's your movie and I said yeah like I helped I, I, sh- I was a cinematographer and he's like oh man that's so cool I'll have to check it out and I was like cool and then like <laughs> I remember just like kind of walking back being like yeah that's awesome and then I just sat my butt back down there and just yeah. popped another tape and hit and digitize and went back to work but uh, it was such a cool feeling like like for that moment especially when John said like oh we sold the movie I thought this is it like but the film film tv world is sort of like that it is like that shiny penny where um you make it and you end up at the end of the day like this this podcast we do you have to make it for yourself Mm -hmm. because um you at least i feel like you you have your job to make money or, or whatever and if you're lucky enough like to work on the tonight show which was quite a pleasure and quite a dream to to work on that Mm. so uh, it wasn't so much as work as like just really enjoying what you're doing but you still make like your love and your craft on the side i don't know because it's what makes you happy yeah you know at the end of the day yes do i would i love to be a director out there working and coming up with another idea working with great screenwriters absolutely but at the end of the day i got to make two really cool movies that i'm proud of and it's it's a good feeling and you know what yeah, so what? I'm not Spielberg. I got to make a movie, and I loved every part of it. I loved it. Yeah, I loved it. I no. loved anything. Maybe you could just sort of give if 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 Scott Zerzicki at 16 years old, growing up Ohio, is trying to, he's thinking like, oh, I just saw uh, whatever it is, Transformers, and I want to be the next right. Michael Bay. Right. Like, do you have any? You know, you've yes. been talking a lot about it, a lot of inspiring things. You've you've given us advice like right. you don't 
stop like you're always looking for the next thing where you're like I'll give you advice I'll get up at 6 a.m. I'll get up at 3 a.m. yes first off you do you when you're young you if they say can you cut my reel you say yes and if it takes 24 hours 24 hours <laughs> you do it and I walked out of that I remember walking out like thrilled I thought that was like really I knew I had done something good and 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 it, it was going to help this guy out which it did I mean he's a big success the other thing I can say is that in terms of editing, if someone's going in the editing background, and this would have helped me out tremendously, I had a, I had a opportunity to work on Star Trek Next Generation. And so, you know, me, I was sort of like this eager guy. I was like, oh, there's a job over there. Well, they worked on these systems called Montage. Montage came out at the same time. Lightworks came out, if anyone's familiar with that, and then there was Avid. So I learned the Montage. I, I took the interview... I could have gotten the job, but I was too scared. And the reason I mention that is if I would have taken that journey down through episodic, like episodic mm. is what I should have done and not gone towards The Tonight Show and gone the the route of being an assistant on, say, a scripted show, I would be in a different place. I have friends right now that, that, that were editors, like on Grey's Anatomy. They're directing shows now. Mm-hmm. They were editors. And now they're directing shows. Like... That's what I would tell anyone that if you want to work in reality TV or if you want to work in sketches and the kind of stuff that we did, then go the then go that route. But if you want to get into more like episodic stuff, especially in editing, then you know what? Go be an assistant. And you might have to work twenty hour days, but you know, at the end of the day, you're gonna start cutting. And after that, especially now, they're giving editors the the ability to direct. Hmm. And who wouldn't want that? I think yeah. everybody has that sort of directing bug in them, especially being editors. You're like you figure out you what's know, good yeah. and what's wrong, and oh my gosh, that was. I that I think that's the biggest thing we can all learn is like, don't get trapped in the reality world. Like if you can get to be an assist on a scripted show, you're you're in a different field. It's like two different, completely different jobs. Now, granted, there are crossovers, especially in anything. The other thing is just give a shit. Honestly, that's I had so I I had. So many people on The Tonight Show who these kids were either in college, they were friends of the producers, like, hey, you know, my kid's in from college, do you mind talking with them? I'm like, yeah, sure, come down. And the biggest thing I could say is just give a shit. It's like, it doesn't matter if you don't know it. You don't know, you don't know what you're doing, it doesn't matter. Just care. Just care about what you're doing. I will be much more accepting of you if you care about what you're doing and you might not know exactly what you're doing, I'll, f- I'll help you out with that. Just give a shit. Like and that's be, I honestly stand by your work. Be proud of so you. So many times, and I said it just like that. Just give a shit. You know they'll appreciate it. They'll be like, "This kid's trying hard. It's okay. He doesn't know everything. That's okay." Yeah, but he cares. He cares. And, yeah, I, I say that all the time. Just work ethic. <clears throat> it is, and it's probably working the 24 hours doing the real. It's like it's a, a that's what example. I need to do. I did it because. That's what I was supposed to do, you know? It helped me out. And that guy gave me the job on The Tonight Show. And he changed my life forever. All right. So, as you may or may not know from the Unspooled podcast, we always like to kind of uh, create a movie idea that we go out and shoot. And your responsibility as a guest is to create a title card, Kevin Castro, but you cannot use a digital Avid title tool. You have to do it. Okay. So, we've, in the past, we had one... 
uh, our Simpsons animator created Mike Battle out of Legos, like stop motion animation. Nice. Otherwise, if it's not done, we just write on a piece of paper, and that's but that's lame. Lame. Got it. Now, of course, full feature. Absolutely. Well, you had said you didn't know if you'd super, make another super thirty five. Yes. <laughs> yeah, we like we've done. Uh, We've done a lot of different. We just sort of spitballer. If there's any like a, a shot or an idea you've always just wanted to shoot or do, we narrative just kinda... idea. We try to keep our. Uh... Are we story? Are we shots? What are we? Well, anything? Really anything? Like if you say I've always wanted to, I don't know, have an airplane crash into a Lego building, or I've always wanted to. Yeah, we had one guest. In... He just said, "You guys have to." Time travel to a place where people don't exist. Go! Wow, that's a so, that's a that's a big feat. Yeah, but, <laughs> but we keep it we keep it under ten minutes, and we don't do a lot of setups. So it's a lot of like one take. Like you kind of move on and you try to get just, every yeah. all the material you need. Like as an editor, you think like an editor. I just need the basics to get the story across. Okay, so here's an idea. Now I think we've all seen this done before, but it's basically possibly restaurant. Where you got to go to the bathroom, and there's a women's bathroom and a, and, a, and a men's bathroom, and of course, you know the guy's like, "I gotta go," so he goes into the women's bathroom, but he's with a buddy. I've always wanted to shoot this scene. I think it's silly, but basically, so the woman wants to go into the woman's bathroom, but he doesn't want to say that his buddy went into the bathroom, so he's trying to like sort of, you know, talk to her and you know trying to get her to wait so his buddy will come out. She has to go, and she's with a girlfriend, by the way. Okay. And so at the same time, um, the guy has come out of the, the men's bathroom. So the girl is like, finally, like, well, screw it. I'll go in the men's bathroom. So her girlfriend is waiting outside the men's bathroom. And the way the story ends is there's a guy who wants to get in to the, to the men's bathroom. And now the girl has to sort of. Say well, you know how you doing today? Because she, her girlfriend's in the yeah, it it flips sort of. Anyway, that, that that's just always a silly. And but I've seen that done so many times, so I don't know if that's the greatest idea. Plus, you would have to find a men's and a women's bathroom sort of close to each other in order to shoot. Okay, what about if we're shooting like on a seven forty seven? <laughs> we have the scene where it like tracks in from outside through the window. Well, we we we've said we can do these things like. The idea shouldn't be limited. We should, uh, like, you know, that means we have to use, like, a model plane and very cheaply, you know, in front of a green screen, uh, whatever, it, whatever it takes to, to try to realize the idea. I wish I had something brilliant to give you guys. But what, what was wrong I, with the, the, the comedy idea? No, I, 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 I like the bathroom idea. Yeah, we haven't, we haven't done anything like that. And, and, and that would be a challenge, too, because we would have to get a location, have actors. Sure. Well, you know what? You really don't need that much all you need is really two signs mm-hmm. yes. you need two doors this is, this is the fun part you need it's two how doors do, how do we execute with this? two yeah. a women's and a and a men's bathroom sign right that you put on there so i, I think it i think that's cool i don't I, know is this a silly thing where it's like you've always been in the, you know the thing of it is it's, i've always been in that it's happened many times i bet it, it'd be a good challenge i think it would be a challenge just in terms of Logistics see, and yeah, okay, hold on. Seven forty-seven. <laughs> we come through the window to a bathroom on, on a plane. A on a plane. Okay. There's turbulence. <laughs> and Liam Neeson. And Le- of course, the plane is going down, and he needs to save everyone. Yeah. So okay, I don't know. And they've also got to go to the bathroom. It's true. This is uh, American Poop Two, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There you go. I think it's great. It's a challenge. I mean, yeah. either way, we'll we gotta. We can come up with something else. Come, come up with something else. 
Oh, I think it's cool. I, 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 try. I like the idea of the 747 <laughs> bathroom I do too. on the 747. I think that should be... Um... I like. I get a kick out of, like, not necessarily badly done effects, but I don't know how we would do that. I imagine we go to the store, buy a model plane... <laughs> And have to fake this some way, and it'll look cheesy sure. and corny, and but it could be fun. So, so the scene is right. on a seven forty seven bathroom. Seven forty. All right, but I guess. It, but those are both men and women, so that would be. Maybe there's. T- mm-hmm, that's true. This except I, one. Well, this is unspool. This is preposterous. Class. Yeah. It's, yeah. But if it has a label that says men and a label that says women, it must be. It must be. It's, it's this yeah. really special airplane. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. It's first class. It's the bar in first class. <laughs> All right, what do you think? I like it because we've done. Uh, it's it's a simple sort of standard, straightforward, you know, comedy with two mm-hmm. people interacting. We haven't really done anything like that. No, I don't think so. I think it's great. I don't think you should. Uh, yeah, don't take back your. Don't take back the idea. It was just an experience I went through. And give I, a shit. It's kind of funny. Yeah, just give a shit. <laughs> well, so. Kevin, I really appreciate you coming on and. It's, it's been great, and, um, and we'll, we will see you in the, the wrap up. And you're welcome to nice. to be a part of the cool. the film all along the way, and and it'll be fun. Whatever you need, February, spell. yeah, anything, yeah, and, and Valentine's Day is coming up, so uh, yeah. Are you, is this Are you inviting me to go do something? <laughs> I'm a little uncomfortable. You have a baby in your lap right now. Well, uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe you could be my. Uh, I don't know. I got nothing. That took a weird turn. It did take a weird turn. I like Kevin. I'm a little uncomfortable. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Anyway, thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank This is a My pleasure. All right. um, Great stuff to talk about. I look forward to um, cringing when I might see this. Yeah. It should should be good. Yeah. Cheers. 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 Thank you. You guys always cheers after each one? Yes. It started organically, now it does feel a little... It was a little staged, people yeah. are like... Hmm. Unspooled Podcast is available in both audio and video versions. Both can be found at our website, unspooled.net. Videocasts can also be found at youtube.com slash unspooledpodcast, and audio-only versions can also be found on iTunes. To see all the behind-the-scenes videos, planning, production, photos, outtakes, bloopers, and of course, the completed movies themselves, visit unspooled.net. You can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Google+, and YouTube at Unspool Podcast. Email us, podcast at unspool.net. Unspool is produced by John French and Scott Zarzicki and is a Frenchico Entertainment Production. 